This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. This is Power 98.7. And now you're listening to Power Talk with Lerato Mbele. Weekdays, 9 a.m. to midday on Power 98.7. Taking your calls on 0861-987-000. I love it when the clock is just in perfect symmetry. 10-10. My mind can see the magic now. Okay, but there isn't a lot of magic when we talk about gender relations in South Africa. In fact, there's more tragedy so many of the times. The femicide that was referred to earlier on, the appalling statistics on continued uh, sexual violence, rape, domestic violence, uh, and other manner of violent crimes, uh, the very slow pace of uh, corporate reform, when we still hear that, that in 2023, still, women are often paid marginally less than men, particularly at entry-level jobs. And even if it's not an issue of pay parity, it's that of access, equity, uh, how many women actually own uh, big enterprises that are game changers in the economy. When you look at the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, huge regression. A decade ago, um, we were celebrating the fact that 11% of CEOs of listed companies were women. And now we're at 2%. That's a huge decline. Yes, Khoshi Khadi's eyes popped open. Yeah, that's a significant regression. And the question is why? Because the information is available to us. The pipeline of female graduates coming out of distinguished programs in engineering, actuarial sciences, business sciences, medical school, medicine, it's, it's showing an, a, a decided increase. Uh, but why are all of these... Um, gains not being reflected in society. And experts would say, because even if we have quotas, even if we have regulatory interventions, it doesn't change mindsets. And first, the psychology has to change. The norms and values in society have to change for there to be a material impact. But that doesn't mean all is lost. There have been significant gains. I always tell the story that I know that the life I lead as a woman in South Africa is substantially better than the life my own mother led, uh, the mother who raised me. And so I can see the shifts, uh, but we need those shifts, those needles to move for every girl child. We're now in conversation with the chairperson of the South African Women in Dialogue, Sawid Omam Togo Mpumulwani, who joins us now to talk about um, the gender gaps, the conversations, the dialogues needed, especially as we commemorate 16 days of activism um, against violence uh, towards women and children. And it's a global campaign, not just a South African campaign. Good morning, Mam Togo. Good morning, good morning, Lerat, and thank you for having me in your show. Thank no, you, and I, I really enjoyed your introduction to this subject. Well, thank I hope you. it was fair. You know, it was just kind of piecing yes. through stats, but also mm. anecdotally. I mean, there have been gains, but somehow mm. there's a regression, and I'm not understanding the regression. So from where you stand, because this is your field, what does the picture look like for you? The South Africa... You imagined 1994 and the South Africa we have today. What is it like for a woman in the country? 
as I speak to you, I'm in a conference organized by the Electoral Commission of South Africa with the electoral management bodies of SADC. Mm. And uh, this is the discussion they're all having. They talk about the many phases of a democratic uh, state. Mm. One being that there is a democratic renaissance, which is what we experienced in 1994, where we vote and we have high ex- expectation and there seems to be delivery. And then at some point, if we do not sustain that with the next level of, of democracy, which mm. is now uh, ensuring that the institutions of society work, the citizens uh, uh, take agency over what is happening, mm. and uh, and and uh, are, are quite alert, and uh, they also know that they are responsible for their own choices mm. and so on, then we'll have what they call democratic recession. Mm. There is a suspicion that this is where most of our countries are going through in the continent and in some of the uh, countries in the world. So we mustn't feel that we are unique. We are not unique. It's phases that we go through. Mm. So you asked me, how did we feel in 1994? Mm. And it is that positive spirit that keeps us going even now some of us to say it is possible it is possible to turn around where we are and as you are saying you live a life that's better than what your mother went through because she made those sacrifices for you Mm. to be where you are absolutely but to be honest um we we have to accept that as a south african society we have to deal with systemic issues. Step back a bit. We now know that when it comes to gender-based violence, it's not just gender-based violence. It's the culture of South African society mm. that is violent, uh, that is, uh, has got toxic masculinity, uh, that is full of a degrading of the other uh, in terms of human rights and uh, empathy has we have just lost empathy and we have lost even the, what we call the higher order thinking of where really do we want to take our country and also our agency of saying yeah. we are where we are but we need as a society as civil society to work together to take ourselves to the next level yeah. the breakdown that Saweed in particular has raised is that even within the family, things have shifted so much that the value systems that were built in a family are lost. Mm. We're just too cluttered and busy. And um, it's almost like we're no longer able to say what is right and what is wrong. Mm. And we need to take the needle back to if we are to deal with gender-based violence to those issues. We have to deal with patriarchy. I went to a men's conference last week and men are saying, they're saying, to be honest, a positive, a, a sense of positive masculinity is what we have never ta- been taught. We don't know how to care. We don't know what it means to be a good man. We need to literally go back and we need as men to have conversations of 
What does it mean to be a male? Does it mean you use your power over the other? Uh, is it about you? You being me, 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 and not being we, 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 which means I see you uh, as, as a full human being just as much as I am a full human mm. being. And you can even take it to race. We really mm. need to go back to the drawing board. So um, I am finding that we all have to, people like yourself have mm. to be applauded for raising these issues mm. to go back to systemic issues. And lastly, at the 20 years of Saweed, women came up as number one with the issue of mental wellness. Mm that uh, psychologists are finding that we, we are yet to deal with the many, many decades of mental es- enslavement, mm. uh, especially of the majority, but also mental superiority of male, mental mm. superiority of white people, and, and, and the system itself. Uh, is highly oppressive. You, mm. your, your measure of success is not about who you are inside, it's, but it's about what you have mm. and what you look like, what car you drive. And so in order for me to be seen as fully human, I must have material things that define who you, not how good I am as a human being. Right. So we have homework. Okay, we've got a lot of homework and we're hoping you're going to help us with that homework. So let's just talk a little bit about the work of Sawit, the South African Women in Dialogue. As you said, it's in its 20th year of existence, 20th year of bringing women. uh, And interestingly, not just around South African, but we're seeing women coming in from all across the SADC region as well, bringing to the table some of the common and shared experiences, um, the mutual challenges that they have as women in other parts of Africa uh, as well as those as in South Africa. So just tell us about these conversations, what the common threads are and what you've identified as the challenges of this era. Yes, I will run through the list of uh, issues that came up in our declaration. The to- on top of the list is the issue of um, poverty, which we had identified 20 years before that we are free, but poverty has got a feminine face. Mm. And that's a common thread that how can we ensure our society break this cycle and that we as women also participate uh, in programs and activities where we can break this cycle. The second one, as I said, is an enhancement of the concept of family as a core for values, for uh, 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 nurturing generations uh, uh, to come. Third one is early childhood education, mm-hmm. that um, the first thousand days of a child determine what, uh, 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 what type of a child will be or adult will be. So if we don't have our early childhood education well-structured and well-coordinated and with solid solid content, then we will have what uh, uh, I I learned recently, uh, uh, learning poverty, which means 
Mm. They go to school, but they have no skills mm. and uh, they have no understanding of even what they read, as we have heard mm. that uh, South Africa uh, children uh, in, in grade six, I think, um, read, but not for meaning. Mm. So if you read without meaning, you just sail through. And then the next one is healing, as I've said, mm. healing the past traumas of society, mm. healing the traumas we experience now, but we now know it's intergenerational. It comes from the first time as a nation we found ourselves being engineered mm. from uh, outside of who we really were as a society. Mm. How do we heal this intergenerational trauma that we see in all the traumas that mm. we see in every family? Wow. And, and then the next one is peace and security. I wouldn't, I don't even have to elaborate on that one mm. because we know there is no peace in the home, no peace in our community, mm. no peace in our country, no peace in the world. With what is happening in Palestine and Israel, mm. Saweed said we will continue to be and in Sudan and some yeah. of our other countries yeah. in, in the continent, we continue to say we shall remain in solidarity with each other because when there is a war and conflict, yeah. women are the first people yeah. to experience the pain yeah. and their children to be, to carry the burden mm. to, of even releasing their children to go in and, and, and carry guns. Yeah. That for wars that they, they don't declare themselves mm. that toxic masculinity declares wow. war okay and the next one is gbv right. and then the building of an inclusive women's movement that okay. everyone must feel that they are an agent of change okay. if you are a woman you can't rest and say i'm waiting for service delivery you ask yourself what can i do to be part of the solution right. In my community. Okay. Next I'm, one. I'm going to ask is, you to leave it there, Mum Togo, yes. uh, just so that we can just catch a breath and then perhaps yes. interrogate a few more of them in a moment. You're listening to Lira Dombele on Power 98.7. It is the 30th of November and the Thursday edition of the Leadership Dialogue. And today's Leadership Dialogue really coincides with the fact that we are now firmly in the midst of the UN 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence Facing Women and Children Worldwide, but obviously with its particular incantation in South Africa, which is a terrible, terrible debilitating violence um, that seems to really and truly go out of its way to target women and fails to protect children as well. And we're hearing there are transferred traumas uh, from systemic uh, abuses of a a, a violent military state, um, which um, has kind of permeated society that violent apartheid state that broke up families and said that a father must work in the urban areas for two, three years at a time without being allowed to go back home, uh, how that breaks down the fiber of um, the family, um, the sanctity of the family, uh, that culturally we have an entrenched kind of value system embedded around patriarchy where men are innately uh, taught to 
walk around with a superiority complex, believing themselves to be better than women for no other reason than culture has endorsed it. And then the laws in the country before 1994 almost supported that. And just the normalization of violence in South Africa and all of this happening within uh, an economic backdrop that has constantly... um, disproportionately favoured men in the economy, leaving women impoverished, is what Togo Mpumulwana has been telling us as the chairperson of the South African Women in Dialogue, Saweed. You can continue, Mam Togo. Yes, and so with a, a problem this big, we are saying as uh, women that we need the state, we need private sector and everyone to know that they cannot do it without civil society organisation. There is a tension that exists where uh, the more people, especially on the ground, show the state where the errors are, then they are seen as the enemies of the state. If Mm. you tell people that in my area, Mm. really things are bad, uh, it's almost like you're not patriotic enough. You Mm. don't love your country Mm. enough. Mm. So we need that to, to... to to be accepted that civil society is a partner to the state because civil society only cares really mm. not for the elected leaders but community wellness Absolutely. and that's why those organizations the next one are the disasters a issue of climate change and disaster whether we like it or not we have to be ready with that the water is going to be scarce and we need to ask ourselves we said as women this will affect us as well. If there isn't enough water, we can't plant uh, our field enough to feed our families. What are the new ways of living and how can we contribute to some of yeah. the problems that we have not created? By the way, we never created plastic, but we have plastic now. Yeah. So now that we have plastic, we need to be educated on how to manage even waste. Mm-hmm. In, when you go to rural areas, there just is no strategy. Mm. There's plastic everywhere, there's mm. dumping. So municipalities have to come on board. And lastly, to even talk about the narrative of African women's wisdom, mm. you you will know that every conference, when people quote, they will quote Nelson Mandela, they'll quote Tambo, they'll mm. quote all the males, and the latest one is everyone quote Sankara and and uh, Martin Luther King. Where are the women? We need to hear more about uh, uh, women who talk about climate change, women who talk about leadership, so that for the younger girls, they are able to see right. that I'm in charge of my body, I'm in charge right. of this world, and I have a right to say no. Right. And I have a right to lead. Okay. We're going to just pause it there. The first woman that comes to my mind, Maya Angelou, and she says, uh, do you know why the caged bird sings? Because it has a song. Because women actually have something to say. Power Talk, the leadership dialogue. With uh, the chairperson of the South African Women in Dialogue, Saweed, uh, which has um, chapters in quite a few other uh, SADC countries. And what they do and what they've done over 20 years is bring together women in a forum of conversation to really see what are the issues that impact the livelihoods, 
the well-being and the opportunities facing women in the region and how can these be you know brought forward to influence policy in the country and i remember the last saweed uh, celebration i attended um the minister the south african minister of women and children was also there which really means that there's an interface between uh saweed and policy makers at the highest level so it's not just a forum for conversation because they say women like to talk and we talk too much no we talk so that we get outcomes the question is does saweed see these outcomes do you mam togo mpumlwane yes we do see the outcomes i'll tell you why saweed um, took a trip to chile and tunisia some time mm. back and uh, to look at uh, uh, how do you break a cycle of poverty at that point they were able to to reduce drastically uh, poverty indexes in the in those countries so we came back and evaluated and then we introduced a model a, a number of things the first one we said this thing of talking gender mainstreaming it doesn't seem to be properly understood we now want to talk gender mainstreaming but could we have a, a department that is literally a watchdog that researches that that gives statistics that pushes other departments and it must be in the presidency it must report directly to the president on where are women now mm. of course we got that uh, as a tick however it is not funded it mm. is just not funded it is not able to do what we had hoped it mm. will do the second one was we were saying a government departments work in silos and they just don't plan ahead and we said government must have a long term planning strategy like we see in other countries where they say we are working towards 20 30 years that's where we'll be and work backwards mm. and which is why we then have a planning and then we talk about monitoring and evaluation and and we also talked about a uh, we've done a number of policy changes then we introduced the concept of a caravan model where we are saying in order for us to turn around a society to change attitudes to to build human beings who are positive they at least at a basic level family there are basics that everyone should have mm-hmm. food security shelter education skills um and if people are to do anything in in uh, there should be proper roads where people go to school health care and in this country there are still people who, who don't have ids and the minister the other day mm. shared that there are children who don't have ids because at home affairs they ask who's your father and mothers don't want to say who is the father mm. because okay. of the high rate of family dynamics of grandfathers fathers uncles um violating people oh. and it now it's something they are dealing with currently so the issue of personal id is important and even that is a core to what type of a human being you will you will mm. finally be mm. if you are born in that situation 
So we introduced this caravan model where we are saying government, we now know that government has gone up to district in terms of planning. We are saying mm. go down municipality right up to community level mm. where every family is known. They are, you contract with the family and say, we will accompany you. Brazil mm. does it. Um, uh, India does it. Mm. And I think Chile also does mm. it where they have people who work with families. Okay. That is why we don't understand why you can have eight, seven to 8,000 okay. social workers unemployed in a country that is trying to transform and reverse poverty right. because we need people on the ground to be fought foot soldiers for society. Okay. So we believe that we, uh, sometimes governments listen, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Um, this is one part of the caravan that has not been adopted. Right. Maybe they think it's too expensive. We don't know. We yeah. have piloted it. We know it works. it works. Okay. And so what you're basically saying from everything that you've you've, you've uh, illustrated from the pilots in Chile is that when when governments service delivery goes right down to the micro level of the family or at the very least the community and the street, then they really get to the heart of what are some of the challenges that are breaking families apart, leading to the violence in and around uh, the community. And then by addressing it, you start to solve on a much bigger level because then you create a safe space for a child to grow up in, for a mother to raise her children, and then you start to break those generational cycles slowly but surely. But you can't do it if it's just top down and always at a generic level. Absolutely. Okay. You know, Lerato, there is a, a WhatsApp group that I joined called mm. Operation Naube. Mm. It is amazing what you get to hear people are struggling with on the ground mm. right on the, at family level mm. children who are hooked on drugs and they literally say we don't see government you don't know what to do i did not sleep this child was was wild and i locked the room and all sorts of things that are happening and that is a sign that we really have to bring government to where people are we have to spend money but as you know with limited resources, those who have louder voices will win over those who mm. are vulnerable because those people do not have the clout mm. to direct where funding goes. Mm. Okay. And so civil society organizations are their voices. Okay. And and so from what you're saying, and I don't want to, I don't want us to 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 stay here for too long. But from what you're saying, when you say more money, government more, we need to be seeing more budgets for perhaps ministries of social development, so that there are more social workers, because they would be the the lever that the government uses to come in at the family level. We need to see yes. those kinds and of skills, those kinds of and civil servants who really have a purpose. Not who are just employed, yeah. who have a purpose, who understand that I am being paid this tax money yeah. in order for me not to just be an eight to five, but to mm. to 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 handhold communities. Okay. For the, for the higher order issues. Okay. There are many things you've said, so I'm going to break them down if we can go through as many as we can. So earlier on, when you spoke about um, why we're seeing a regression in values in the country, you refer to patriarchy. In fact, that's exactly where you began. And on this yes. program, we use the word a lot, and I know it irritates many men, but let me tell you, don't worry too much about it. The yes. issue is 
you know, what is meant by patriarchy? What is this entrenched system of male privilege? Because many men say, you talk about a privilege I have as a man. But when I look at my life, I don't see the privilege. I don't have money. I'm unemployed. Mm. I don't have opportunities. And you keep telling me that I have a privilege that I don't even recognize. What is this patriarchy? Patriarchy is that the fact that you are, I, I say to people, patriarchy even hits men. Because I believe if I am a woman and I'm a domestic worker, mm. I earn money. And my husband cannot, or my partner cannot get a job. It's okay for him to look after the family. He must not feel he's lesser of a human being. I want to bring it to that level. Mm. Patriarchy is a system. Patriarchy is a system that makes men have to meet expectations uh, of superiority. I'm in charge. I am the head. I must provide. Uh, everybody else is lesser than me, so I must have. And so that system gets embedded in a society and causes men, I'll give another example, to go all the way from Lesotho to come and mine here in the most most dangerous conditions because you can't stay at home being a male and not provide. Mm. It's a very toxic system. Okay. We need to turn that thing around so that men know that we are all in charge. We are all agents of change. Mm. Okay. We are partners in development. Okay. We are partners in making the world a better place for all so what I'm hearing, and our children. So what I'm hearing you saying is, Zulu, uh, okay. Now, if we must not punish him for it, yes, he still has value. But because we live in a society that says if you don't have money as a man, you are nothing, then yes. he's under pressure to be something at whatever yeah. cost. And they get angry and then they get violent, okay. and then we, that cycle now continues. So they saw it with their parents doing okay. it. If they are angry, they beat up their mothers. And the mothers said, what have I done wrong? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, they've done nothing. And then it becomes a cycle that in order to live well with a woman, beat her up, she will she will follow suit. She'll hmm. follow she'll the be the straight the and narrow and so on and so on. Yeah. So there are lots of things we okay. really have to all work at. Okay. And so we need traditional leaders and religious leaders to help us out here. Okay. And what you're also saying is that in as much as women are bearing the brunt of patriarchy, men are also victims of that patriarchy because Absolutely. the more we put pressure on men to be something they can't live up to, the more we are breaking them down psychologically as well. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And that also feeds into the violence because men don't know how to regulate their emotions is what I'm hearing yeah. you say. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about violence in general. Yes. Um, when you look at statistics in the country, and these stats were made, um, were interpreted for me by um, Love Life, the, yes. the, the, the NGO. Yes. And when we look at the broad range of violent uh actions in South Africa, they affect men disproportionately more than women. Yeah. And yet, when we look at the statistics on crime, uh, uh, intent to do grievous bodily harm, murder, we zone in on the gender component. Oh, look at sexual violence. Oh, look at domestic violence. But when you look at mm. the big picture, it's more men dying 
because mm. of violence in the country than women. Now, mm. I'm not making this an either or. I'm yep. just saying, why are we not talking about pervasive violence, but always focusing on this category of, of violence that, that affects women? Well, it's because for generations we have not been talking about violence against women. It was really to elevate, to level the playing field, to say, in this generic violence we are talking about, we are silent. Because remember, it was acceptable for a woman to be beaten up. Not long ago, it was an acceptable thing that if she doesn't toe the line, slap her. And, uh, and there was, it was not even a serious issue to slap a woman or to verbally abuse or economically abuse a woman. Mm. So the women's movement had to elevate that to say, no, we need our dignity. We need our dignity. It is not underplaying general violence because if we did not have a a society that is violent, Mm. um, maybe even gender-based violence and femicide would, would, would not be there. Mm. But we are elevating it because the shoe pinches. The shoe pinches. Mm. Yes. Mm. And it, women had no voice. We are now having a voice yeah. to say we want to disaggregate those statistics so that we know, everybody knows, that yeah. there is a problem called gender-based violence and femicide. Yeah. And femicide has just been added. It was not even there before. Yeah. But now we've added F for femicide to yeah. say it's we're now being killed, yeah. not just being slept, killed as well. Do you think there's a pushback? I've often heard people say, yes. in this era of um, deliberate policies to empower women, and now that we're seeing down the line the benefits of those policies, men feeling so emasculated, rudderless, mm. don't mm. know how to react to a woman who they used to beat up now having the power to uh, have them arrested for argument's sake. Mm. And instead of a man sitting down and saying, okay, perhaps this is an opportunity for me to unlearn certain toxic traits, it's just aggravating them more. And so the prevalence of gender-based violence and now the introduction or the phenomenon of femicide is a kind of a pushback. Yes, there is a pushback. After Beijing, they used to, uh, uh, people would laugh at these Beijing women. That was the start of a pushback, and people would laugh. But now, um, I agree that um, it, it's, it's, it's like people who are saying we don't want black economic empowerment. Mm. White people who say mm. we don't. It's a pushback that says we didn't think that it will affect us personally. Um, uh, uh, the former president, deputy president Lambo said at this men's conference, we want feminist men who will say, it's okay for me to deputize a woman. It's okay for me not to take a post um, uh, because we still need women in the boardroom. Mm. It's okay. I will support her. I will be happy. I'm okay. But is it easy? It is not easy. No one ever said transformation is easy. Mm. Transformation is difficult. It calls for mm. extreme humility mm. and self-understanding and self, self-control self mm. and understanding mm. who you are and, and mm. say, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm. Somebody used an example the other day, Mam Togan. I know it's very sort of uh, superficial. 
but they were saying, you know, for us to understand what's going on here, it's like saying you have a, a domestic worker, a helper, mm. who's always been in your house, cleaning your house. And even if you have very good cordial relations, she knows mm. that she's the domestic worker and you know you're the madam. And then one day the domestic worker wins the lottery. At that precise moment that she wins the lottery, the dynamic between you is going to change. And you no longer have a position of privilege and power over her. She's now your equal. You were not given any time to prepare yourself for the fact that your domestic worker yesterday wakes up today your social equal. And many people will be angered by that. And that's the pushback. Yes, and then they may even say, if it was not a lotto, they may even say, if you are a woman and you get promoted, you must have slept with somebody. Mm. It is not possible. Mm. Have you not heard that narrative mm. where people would say, no, All these the women, they sleep around. All the time. That's why then they're not that we congratulate that in South Africa today, we have women who are in boardrooms and are making good decisions. Yeah. In some companies, they put them in boardrooms so that they can tick the box and then the men continue. Yeah. So this, this thing is requires all of us to really keep talking yeah. and supporting women in yeah. leadership as well. And checking our behavior and unlearning behaviors. We're yes. in conversation with Togon Bumlwane, the chairperson of the South African Women in Dialogue. Power Talk. The Leadership Dialogue. And our leader today is Togo Mbumulwana, the chairperson of the South African Women in Dialogue, which is uh, a not-for-profit organization that brings women across the SADC region together to dialogue about the challenges of the day and see how those can influence um, public policy. She herself uh, has an MA uh, in the fields of education from Michigan State University in the United States and she has served on the boards of the Film and Public Publication Board, the Independent Development Trust, the Women's Development Foundation uh, and the Foundation for Human Rights. And so she brings her expertise, her knowledge, her worldview on uh, critical race theory. We heard a little bit when she referred to um, systemic racism, uh, gender development um, and also communications to this conversation. Uh, Mum Togo, there are a few listeners who want to engage you briefly, but Tonique online says, Lerato, I think the guest is sometimes conflating patriarchy with female hypergamy. The fact that females prefer to marry upwards has little to do with the patriarchal system. And then Tonique also says, and femicide is pure evil. We have to have a separate conversation altogether about femicide, says Tonique. I've never even heard this term, female hyper." hypergamy. What is that? Unfortunately, I also don't know that term. Women marrying upwards, says Tonique. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, (laughs) I don't know about women marrying upwards. I I have not analyzed that, uh, and so it will be difficult for me to... All I know is that um, a, a, a relationship between two people is a relationship between... It must just be based on respect. Yeah. And mutual accountability, and 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 care for as people start to build this family that they are right. building, 
um, so that we can have good citizens. Maybe, so, but maybe, I will maybe, study maybe, it myself. I, maybe when we have the show on femicide, we will all have learned female hypergamy. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I might even be mispronouncing it. <laughs> Lindy and Tembisa, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Uh, yes, Lerato. Uh, my my son, he's 19. His friend, 19 as well, they are in varsity. The other day we were talking, and then they told me that they would love to have housewives, like women who who are not working, just staying at home. They, As a man, they would provide everything. I was like, this, this kid, they are only 19, but they are thinking like that. Hmm. Uh, I'm the mother, a single mother. Maybe, I don't know. And uh, But at the same time, I was feeling, I would love to be a, a, a housewife myself. I would love that because of, I've always been working, working. hard yeah. for them. Yeah. So I would love to okay. hear your comment. I mean, yeah. the guest comment with regard okay. to that. Okay. Thanks a lot for that, Lindy. <laughs> Lindy is a candidate for female hypergamy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Should have married. laughs> Tawa, good morning. <laughs> morning, guys. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Yes, you know, I, I think so. For us to get the, the, this, this issue right, we we have to start here, right? and then the, the sooner we start here, and then I think we're gonna pave a good way for us, so that no everybody can understand. We can never be equal. No one will be equal to anyone. No man is equal to any man. No woman is equal to any woman. There are some things, right, that I cannot do. A woman can do perfectly. There are some things that. I, as a man, can never do, but another man can do in terms of physique, mm. you know. Uh, there are some other things that a 10-year-old can do. I, as an adult, can cannot do. Yeah. We have 10, 10, 10, 10 year old that can multiply numbers. Yeah. Big, 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 big numbers. Okay, Tabu, but we're I, as an out of adult, time. has been here and then can never do. And then, you know, we we only have to go with a God-given and then no one will be blamed. Okay, I like that. I like that. So let's let's all respect each other on the fundamental basis of our common shared humanity, us being humans, yeah. and then let's leverage each other's respective talents to build a better country. As we wind down the conversation, Mam Togo, perhaps you can answer Lindy, but perhaps you can also answer me. When we say, what are the solutions? You know, um, we now recognize that as you said, we had to amplify the plight of women because it was going undetected, under the radar, swept under the carpet, and it's not okay because women's lives matter as much as men believe their lives matter. But we're now faced with a generational shift where the boy child seems lost and rudderless. How do we bring men into an alliance with women, women in, in, in Sawid? How do we nurture these male feminists? How do we elevate the consciousness of men? The beauty of it, uh, Lerato, is that uh, men have now come up, good men have now come up, who are saying we can't go on like this. We've got to help young boys to be better than who we have been, which is a beautiful initiative that needs to be supported. And we support those initiatives. But we have also said as Sawit, we should also have conversations with them. At, in in Sawid, we have young Sawidians who are females and who are saying we want to also have conversations with other uh, males 
of our age group in order for them to understand where we 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 go wrong and where they go wrong and how to to be different to be mm. all feminist if I may use mm. that term. Now to answer that question of Lindy and the sons that want housewife, that's part of patriarchy. Somewhere they were discussing as boys uh, that in order to be a successful male, you must have a huge house and a, a, a wife who stays at home and and so on. It's all also part of what they see on television, the perfect home, their perfect housewives, mm. and all the things that they see. And if they don't provide for the, for their partners, then they are sailors. This is exactly what we want to correct. Mm. Uh, you must stay at home because you choose to stay at home, not because you, you or you must, and, and allow your partner if she has to do something, uh, to do something. And frankly, I'm one of those who believe that, that we have so many pro- problems that seriously, it's okay to stay at home, but very few really can afford to stay mm-hmm. at home. Okay. There is a lot of community work to be done out there. Oh, yes. If, if you've got enough money, go and do uh, community work, start an NGO, do stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will be regarded as a just a housewife full sitting in the corner and before you know, life will move on okay. without you. And uh, as we say goodbye to you, Mom Togo, I was just reminded of the fact that you said we don't ever quote women. So it's a good time for me to quote Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, with whom I had the privilege of uh, conversing and dining yesterday. And she once said to every girl and woman everywhere, I issue a simple invitation, says the former president of Liberia, the first woman ever to be democratically elected to be a president in Africa, a Nobel laureate. She says to girls and women everywhere, I issue a simple invitation. My sisters, my daughters, my friends, find your voice and use it. It is what Togo Mbumulwane has told us to do today. Find your voice and use it. She's the chairperson of Saweed Women, uh, South African Women in Dialogue, our leadership guest today. Thank you. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.